Welcome to the Strength Empire podcast, where we will cover all things strength sports, whether it's powerlifting, weightlifting, strongman, or the Highland Games. Before we begin, please make sure to follow us on social media, at Strength Empire Podcast and at Strength Empire Gym. Also, if you'd like more information from us, you can find it at strengthempiregym.com, as well as checking out the Strength Empire TV YouTube page for footage on training, throwing, nutrition, and meal prep, and technique breakdown, etc. The last thing I'd like to ask you to do is to make sure you leave a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform when you finish this episode, and if you could share it with your friends, that'd be awesome as well. So we hope you enjoy diving into Season 1, Episode 4 of our Crossover Strength Athletes with Coach Sarah Johnson. And welcome to the Strength Empire Podcast. Today, I am super excited to have Coach Sarah Johnson on. Uh, Sarah, thank you for joining me. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I think I actually now I'm going to have to change this to the Travis Mash Podcast because uh, this is my third Mash-related person to have on. I had Lauren Rutan on two days ago, and I had uh, Coach Travis on yesterday. So I'm just having to go through this uh, Mash family. But um, for those that don't know you, um, which it's their fault if they don't, that's terrible. But uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how old you are, where, you, where you've been through your journey in strength sports, because I know a little bit more about you just from following you, but there's others that may not. So I am 26 years old. I actually started my strength my strength career as a as a regular athlete. I played all the sports in high school. I went to college to throw, but um, that ended up not working out for me because I'm not a very large athlete like most mm-hmm. weightlifters. I'm all of 5'5", five, five, 170. <laughs> so I found uh, Dave Kimball in East Carolina weightlifting. I fell in love with weightlifting there, decided I wanted to take it to the next level, so I moved to Winston-Salem to train with Travis. And then had a back injury. One of my other coaches suggested powerlifting, and a year and a half later, here we are doing super total. Yeah, so now we're in a combo, which I am super a fan of. And I just missed, I just saw it. So, little quick uh, segue is I just saw your super total you just put up this past weekend, um, which obviously that kind of gives away when we're recording this, whenever I do happen to get this released out. But um, tell me about that. I saw that online, but I saw it too late, or I would have jumped in on it myself. So Anders Varner and Doug Larson, the Barbell Shrugged guys, are doing, they have a new sport. They call it the One Tons Challenge. Mm -hmm. And they are supposed to be having this big, I think they're calling it the One Chun Challenge World Championship. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, something similar. In May. So they had an online qualifier this weekend. Anders told me, he said, hey, you should go do this. It would be an easy way to get on the leaderboard and then get invited to the event. And so I was actually in Tennessee all day Saturday at a powerlifting meet for one of our kids. Came back after a three-hour car ride, immediately got on the bar and put, put together a super total in two hours. Um, which is crazy. Okay. I would not recommend that for other people. <laughs> so, so what numbers did you put up there? I snatched, so I snatched 80 kilos or 175 pounds, mm-hmm. cleaned 115 or 253. I jerked 242 because as they actually break the clean and the jerk up. Yes. Um, squatted 170 or 375 pounds. Right. Bench press 90 kilos, 198 pounds, and then I pulled 185 kilos for 407. And you actually have to pull conventional in their competition, which is not 
how I typically compete. I typically pull sumo. Yeah. So, so what is that total up to? That totaled up to 1650 between the six movements. So as a female, where does that kind of fall for you comparatively? Do you know, do they have a leaderboard already like active? They do. So on their worldwide leaderboard, so I don't know what the difference between their two leaderboards are. I know for their weekend challenge, I finished number one. Oh, that's awesome. Which is pretty cool. (laughs) Um, And then for their, they have another one, but I don't know if that one is your lifetime PRs or if it's a super total that somebody has put together, but I think I'm in the top 10 on that one. Phenomenal. That is awesome. So people don't, unless somebody's done a super total in a day and that's something different too. So I host a super total event for our charity meet in December. It's all for fun. It's not even judged. And when I host that, people don't realize the the fatigue that's different from doing just a powerlifting meet or just a weightlifting meet to doing a super total. And then putting a time constraint on it makes it way worse um and you there's i love seeing some of the videos that are going around and and i'll ask you this one what do you think is the most impressive super total you've seen and obviously yours is super impressive so it's hard to not say oh yeah my own but um what 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 have you seen that really impresses you so far in terms of like people doing them like i've seen people do them in like a minute and a half they'll do a full full super total i'm not sure i don't keep up with a ton of other super total athletes i really I thought it was pretty cool when Travis did his in five minutes after having his hip replaced. Yeah, that was an awesome here. one. And he's, he's pretty... what he front squatted too, and he didn't even back squat. Yeah, he front squatted four hundred <laughs> pounds or something like that. <laughs> that he's ridiculous. He's ridiculous. Um, my favorite one personally is uh, James Townsend, who's a juggernaut weightlifter, has done like twenty five hundred pounds in a minute and twenty seven seconds or something like that. Um, the dude's an absolute freak athlete. He's a hell of a weightlifter, and obviously he's just strong and athletic. Um, but I hate that I missed that. I would have 100% this past weekend. I like even was kind of like, oh, I'll do whatever training this weekend. I kind of went off program and just did whatever. I would have absolutely jumped into that online challenge and just been like, well, I guess I'm doing a super total today. But um, I missed it, but I might have to keep up with that and follow you along and, and see how that goes, and maybe we'll have you back on to talk about what that experience was like, especially at a new event that – it's kind of different, but it embodies all of strength sport, like being able to do and excel at all of them. Uh, we'll have to follow you along. But where, so when you got into, let's kind of backtrack now. You got into weightlifting. Uh, from, and then take me to your weight, through your weightlifting career, what training was like before you trained with Coach Mass. So when you were at ECU, and then. What has training? What did training evolve like, and where did you get to success level with weightlifting? When I was with Dave, first year I was with Dave, um, we did a lot more. I'm not gonna say a lot more technique work, but he definitely doesn't push, didn't push the squats and pulls as hard. I didn't think as Travis does. It was a lot more percentage based. Everything there was percentage based. Uh, with Travis, a lot of our squat work, for me especially, has been uh, RPE and uh, rep maxes. Okay. So when I was with Dave, it was a lot of technique work because I was brand new. I was awful. Right. It looked. I think. <laughs> I think if you if you really want to creep, there's a if you go way back on my Instagram, there's a video of me no contact snatching 70 kilos, and I thought it was the best thing I'd ever done <laughs> in my in my whole life. It's awful. 
But Dave helped me. He learned, helped me learn how to make contact with the bar because I didn't know how to do that. I had never heard of foot grip until I met Dave in ECU weightlifting. So when I started with Dave, I think I had snatched 50 kilos. I had clean 90 kilos, which is pretty good, but throwers are meatheads in the weight room. So a lot of that carried over. Uh, and when I left, I had snatched 91 kilos, and I had cleaned... I cleaned 123 off the blocks when I was working with Dave, and we medaled at we medaled at both university national championships that we went to together. There you go, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I guess I'm assuming like shortly after that you had moved to train with Mash. That's what it sounds yes. like. Yes. So I competed at my second university nationals, and packed all my stuff up and moved to Winston Salem the next week. So, but I did, I mean, I competed at senior nationals with Dave and I think we finished in the top 10. So awesome. that's pretty good. After Absolutely. not, yeah, I'd only been training as a weightlifter 18 months at that time. So I was pretty happy with that. Um, now let me ask this question because I've talked to a lot of people who have done certain things. Lauren Rutan did the same thing. They packed up from Ohio and moved to muscle driver. What is that? And I didn't even ask this question with them, but it just came up to my head now. But what was that mentality made that decision? That's like, man, it's putting all your eggs in one basket a little bit. What kind of led you to making that decision? And were, were you confident in it? I mean, obviously it had to been if you didn't went ahead and did it, but what was that decision-making process like? Were you scared? Were you nervous? All the, all those feelings and emotions that go with that. I was terrified when I moved because I didn't know Travis that well, but all the other really good weightlifters had moved to Mash Elite. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I had just graduated from college. So, you know, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I don't really have any responsibilities at this point in my life. I still really don't in that regard. But, but I, you know, you're young, and it's it's now or it's never. That's kind of how I looked at it. I can either do this now or I can go start a career and then look back in 20 years and regret that I didn't at least try to be a good weightlifter. Okay. So I talked to my parents and I said, hey, you know, we're just going to push this career thing off for a few years and we're going to go, I'm going to go try to be a weightlifter. My goal was to get into the Olympic trials. And then, of course, they're not even having Olympic trials Anymore. this quad. <laughs> so that went out the window. And then, but I moved here and I, before I got hurt, I really was, I was one training cycle away, I think, from a big break that big next step because before I got hurt when I did move you know it was it was a big change I was working you know a couple of part-time jobs trying to put everything together and training for nationals but I clean and jerked 120 in training and I missed I just did miss a 100 kilo snatch when I was training for nationals in 2017 okay did you actually compete at that nationals or I'm, yeah, you kind of are alluding to a back injury and do you know what happened? What was that back injury and what have you done to come back from that? So that what did I do, I bulged uh, a disc, my L5 S1 mm -hmm. disc at nationals on oh. my third, <laughs> on my third snatch. And so I come off the platform. I'm talking to Travis. Hey, I just did something. It hurts, but I'm going to clean and jerk. I clean and jerked 107 in the back. I'm supposed to be opening at 110. You know, I've cleaned and done a jerk double with 110. I've power cleaned 110. I'm pretty confident at that weight, and I just couldn't hold it overhead. So I ended up bombing out, and I have not been back 
to a national weightlifting meet since then, but we're planning on going back this to year. nationals this year because wow. it's in the same exact venue. Kind of a redemption a meet. Redemption meet. Oh, that's so exciting. I love it. I love it. Um, some people get nervous about that, but I love that. And, and you, I can already tell, you know, I've actually, and this is a fun story, I've, we've actually never met in person. I know we've been in the same yeah. building. Uh, I've watched you compete. I guess it was, was it Raleigh Ruckus like two years ago maybe you did the meet? Yeah. Uh, was a meet. So I was there coaching somebody and like obviously followed you along, watching you, followed through social media. We've actually never met in person, but, you know, I already get your competitiveness through your social media even. And now talking to you in person, like some of the things you're saying, it picks up. I, I relate to 100% that competitive drive of I'm going to definitely do this or – you know, I'm going to go back and redemption meet. Um, are you planning on doing, and this is a complete out of the blue question. Are you doing the AO2? Obviously I feel like your entire group is going to have a lot in hand with the AO2 this year. Cause it's here in, is it Greensboro, Winston area? Yeah. It's at the Winston Salem convention center. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on that one yet. Mm -hmm. And the reason that is, is because of my work schedule. So it's right. going to kind of depend on, if it's, you know, they've talked about breaking it up and putting the adults during the middle of the week, I want to say. Oh, really? And I not, not on the weekends. Because it's a whole long, it's the AO yeah. and the National all smushed together. So it depends. If it's, if it's a, I'll compete on Saturday, then maybe. Yeah. If it's compete on Wednesday, I probably won't be able to swing that. I got you. Um, um and Nationals is even before that, now that I think about it. Nationals is in May, so we're, what, one, two, three, four months out-ish, less than four months out. Um, and weightlifting looks like it's going good. Obviously, with a off the out-of-the-car ride, super total, throwing it up there, looks great. Um, so what did coming back from that back injury do for your mindset? And, like, you know, did you make the switch right then to powerlifting, or, or how long did you kind of take off there with that back issue? So my – back injury I was still really really young when I had that and even with my four-year degree you know I, I'm sure a lot of coaches that are also athletes can relate to this that being a coach and an athlete splits your brain a little bit so there's that one side that's very rational and thinks through things and knows you know this is going to take a few months we need to go slow we need to rehab it and then there's the athlete side that it doesn't hurt let's max out and so, unfortunately, the athlete side of me got the better of me quite a bit. And I was working a manual labor job after that. So I would basically what happened for the next year was I would train really well for about eight weeks. And then my back would lock up and I wouldn't be able to train for a week. And then I would train again for eight weeks or 12 weeks. And then my back would lock up. But I actually, it was just traditional weightlifting um, traditional weightlifting programming, you know, snatching or clean and jerking twice a week, two or three times a week, doing squats, doing pulls, not doing enough of my rehab work, not going to see a physical therapist or a chiropractor because I couldn't afford to see one, and just kind of, it felt like I was beating my head on the wall, essentially. So I did that for about a year, and then leading up to nationals in 2018, I had qualified, I actually signed up for the meet. And then I pulled something in my back, a soft tissue injury. Okay. And it, at that point, Chris Mason, who actually coached me at my first meet, the Raleigh Ruckus, pulled me in the office one day and said, maybe, maybe you should do powerlifting for like six months. Just try it. It's all. <laughs> and 
And that's kind of how that started. He said, you know, just take it really slow. Don't even put your deadlifts down. Just pick them up, drop them, um, do box squats instead of regular squats. Do everything slow. And when I started that, that's kind of how this whole super total thing started. But training through the back injury was, looking back on it, I could have done things a lot smarter, and I probably would have progressed a lot quick, more quickly in my career because I wasn't doing my accessory work like I should. I was working, I was working as a uh, stocking shelves at Home Depot, so I was moving circular saws and super heavy stuff all the time, and they knew I was strong, so they'd be like, "Hey." Yeah, you're you're the friend that's got to help. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you think did – so it really sounds like, and would you word it like this, that slowing things down, like – so obviously speed of movement is different. Would you say that that is what helped rehab your back better than anything else was slowing down? Absolutely, because there's next to no force absorption with powerlifting. Mm-hmm. Compared to, I mean, if you're comparing a back squat and a clean, it's not even the same force absorption-wise. Right. Um, or a snatch. So the the really fast extension in the lifts used to get me a lot of times. That would make my back hurt. And that, that's just not there in powerlifting. There's no super fast extension. There's no bouncing out of the bottom of lifts. Um, so slowing it down allowed me to take a step back and just build my lower back up, okay. build my legs up. And when I started powerlifting, I think my best deadlift was 150. So I wasn't very strong when I started. My best back squat at the time was 150 as well. Okay. And what are what are your best numbers to date in powerlifting? My best numbers to date, I have, in training, I have squatted 185 and pulled 205. So my squat went up 35 kilos mm-hmm. and my Pull went up, what is that? 55? 55. 55 kilos, so it went up 100 pounds in a year. In competition, I've done 182 and 202. So 400 and 445-ish? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. And what about bench press? So obviously when you're weightlifting, you're not benching, but mm-hmm. did you bench a lot before weightlifting? Or how, how's your, you have a very strong bench. Um, so so how does, how's the bench kind of evolved for you? And what's training? What do you think's helped your training in your bench the most? Frequency has helped me the most for sure. Okay. Because if I bench press more often, even if it's not a traditional bench press, that's what has bumped me up. So when I moved, so I've bench pressed my entire strength career. Dave let me bench press at East Carolina, not very often, but he did. And then when I was a thrower, throwers love bench pressing. Yes, like shot putters and discus throwers. They love it. And when I was at East Carolina, they would let us board press. They let us press with chains. I mean, it was awesome. It was very, I'm not going to say west side, but, fan, you know, boards and chains, that's kind of where that came from. Right. And then when I was in high school, I bench pressed. But let's see. When I was in, when I was throwing, I bench pressed 185 okay. for reps. So it was already pretty strong. And then... When I went into weightlifting, I didn't really train it very much, but we push-pressed and we overhead-pressed. So I think push-pressing and overhead-pressing, even though I wasn't directly training the bench-press, it kept it where it was. Absolutely. So it kept it, kept it around that 185 mark. Mm-hmm. And then once I switched, I think I ran a eight-week block and just started bench-pressing more often and kept push-pressing, and I 
went from 185 to 90 kilos pretty quickly. And then 90 to 100 was a little bit slower. Okay. Um, I... I'm kind of holding off on going back, and now we're going to backtrack even more and talk about throwing. But what is what's like currently like? So now you're training super total. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. So now, what is like a typical week look like for you? How do you balance that? Are you looking at strengths and weaknesses and training one or the other, or, or kind of let's just say you are going to do nationals, so that's going to change things a little bit. But let's say nothing was on the table except for let's say the super total worlds. What would your training continue to look like, and how do you find a, a balance in that? So Travis Mash, actually, he still does all my programming. I sent him a pretty detailed email once a month, once every 12 weeks, talking about what I think I need to work on, and he will send me a program based off of that. So right now, let's see, I'll pull my program up and kind of oh, go over the secrets. There. I like it. I like it. Oh. I'll go over exactly what I've been doing the last few weeks. So we keep my program really simple because what I have found and what he has also found is that the simpler things are, the easier it is to stick to. Mm-hmm. Let's see. He actually did do something pretty cool this last 12 weeks. We have been, so you know a lot of times people, day one, they snatch or clean and jerk. And then day one, every day for the whole four-week block, it's, you know, you snatch on Monday, you snatch on Monday, you snatch on Monday. Right. That's it. So we've actually been doing the last four weeks is on day one, I'll snatch or clean and jerk, and it's been alternating from one week to the next. Okay. So I'll do technique work for snatch, and then on Friday, I'll do a heavy clean and jerk, and then it just flip-flops. Then I'll do technique work for the clean and jerk, and then snatches, heavy snatches at the end of the week. Okay. So after my clean and jerk, technique work. I have a squat usually. Right now we're doing low bar squats, but during the off season we did a lot of safety bar squat work, which was my idea because I get pushed forward a lot. So if you get pushed forward a lot in the squat, the safety bar squat is the way to go, in my opinion. Yeah. You need to, uh, so we just got one and I've, I've only played with it a little bit, but we got a transformer bar in now um, from Kabuki Strength and they have a setting on that thing, the kettlebell far setting where it changes the camber and you can adjust the pin position. It literally is just like, the if you set it upright, that bar just feels like it's pulling on your neck and trying to bend you over more than anything I've ever done. It's ridiculous. I think like I maxed a single at like 275 and that was, it was a different pressure. Like it was amazing because it was so hard. Um, I think it's something we're going to try to play with as a tool in the future, but absolutely. I'm a huge fan of safety squat bar work as well as just something the heads up, maybe Eventually, you can talk mash into getting one because they're so unique. Yeah, for sure. I, I've i seen people use them and then use that setting, and it looks like their soul is just getting crushed the yeah. entire time. That's actually a good it. description. I think one of the guys in the gym said that. They're like, this is soul crushing. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. So I do that. Then I've got accessory work. I've got day two, we, we press. So we've got a bench press, then we've got a secondary press, and then accessory work. And accessory work is, you just have to do it based on what you're bad at. If you're mm-hmm. if you're bad at the lockout, then your triceps aren't strong and you need to work on your triceps. You kind of have to dig into your own weaknesses a little bit when it comes to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Day four, we pull, so we do sumo deadlifts. I have split squats on day three right now, and I do reverse hypers. And one of the things that I do differently than a lot of the other lifters at MASH is 
I have started building my reverse hypers up in weight quite a bit, and I think that's helped my lower back rehab quite a bit too. So I've, let's see, I had, had built it up to around 200 pounds okay. for resets of 30 reps, which isn't super heavy compared to the West Side guys, but oh, yeah. compared to a lot of people in our gym, it's pretty heavy. Okay. We've got a, and yeah, we have a mixed bag at our place too. Um, we've got one guy, uh, Levi the Fireman, if anybody wants to follow Levi along. He's an absolute freak of a human. Um, he trains with Donnie Thompson a lot, uh, goes down once a week, has for probably like eight or nine years down. Uh, he goes, drives down, trains with Donnie on Tuesdays. Um, but Levi will load up like 550 on the reverse hyper and do it for 15, 20 reps or something. He does just the most ridiculous feats of strength ever. But, um, it's interesting that uh, different people have different takes on the reverse hyper, um, whether it's good or bad or, or how much weight or how much volume you're doing a, a, a pretty high volume, um, doing sets of 30 is awful on that thing. It's like the worst burn ever. Um, so if anybody hasn't done that, I definitely encourage people to try that out for, I mean, shoot, try it. If you don't have a reverse hyper, try just doing your legs for 30 reps and you'll see it. You'll see a different burn uh, that you're not used to in the low back that the unloaded part of that is what's unique about it. So that's a, that's a pretty consistent. So how do you feel with, so obviously I'm going to assume your, your sumo deads are, are, are not super heavy to allow you to be able to, uh, snatch or clean and jerk heavy the following day. Uh, I mean, obviously it's going to be relative and depending on where you're at in your training, but how do you feel, especially with your back doing those back to back? My sumo Part of the reason we switched to sumo is my hips are really, really mobile mm -hmm. from all the weightlifting, but pulling sumo, I know there's CNS fatigue associated with deadlifting really heavy, but the thing that would get me when I pulled conventional is my spinal erectors would be just fried for four or five days after a really, really heavy pull. Mm -hmm. So when I switched to sumo, I did not have that issue at all. So my lower back doesn't tighten up, it doesn't get locked up. My spinal erectors really don't get sore because it's all in your hips and legs, and you really just have to hold your torso in a really strong position the entire time. So let's see. This past week, so I'm pulling from a deficit right now. It's not a. It's just a stall mat. I'm standing on a okay. stall mat. Very small. And doing deadlifts, yeah. Which for sumo, it's really hard to pull. You can't pull from a four-inch deficit and pull sumo. You just it just it doesn't, doesn't work. work. It's unreal. I've I've played with that before, and it's hilarious to try. Like to try, uh, you're like this. I'm just I can't generate force from this position. It's really everybody's. I got a couple people that can push to. I've had somebody do some light work with three stall mats, but mm -hmm. uh, at the most, yeah, one or two is all we go with. Yeah, because you just can't get down there. Even if you're super mobile, you cannot get to the bar. Mm -hmm. oh. So let's see. So this past week. <laughs> He usually gives me rep maxes for my deadlifts just because they vary from week to week so much. Mm -hmm. But this past week, I pulled 170 for three from the deficit, and that was on Wednesday. And then on Friday, I snatched 88 and then pressed 85 for three. And then on day six, I was supposed to do safety bar squats and block deadlifts, but I did my super total. So for me, I really don't think the if I was to pull really heavy, like if I pulled 205, I probably, or something higher, like 190 plus in the deadlift on Wednesday, I probably would have had some central nervous system fatigue and probably wouldn't have felt as good on Friday and Saturday, but my back feels fine, which like I said, that's a big reason that we changed over to the sumo. 
So, and if you have some lower back issues and you get fried and you can get into a sumo, that might be a good thing for some people. For me, it was a huge difference maker. Okay. Now, what would you do differently now? Um, would you be doing a higher frequency of weightlifting, going into nationals? Obviously, that's probably, I feel like, a little bit more, I don't know, it's hard. What What is more important to you, the, the one-ton challenge or nationals? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think right now I've been thinking about nationals for so long. I yeah. think that to me is a little bit more important. It's right. kind of weird because I personally do not enjoy snatching that much, but because it, it's the timing thing. You know, if you don't snatch for a month, your timing just goes out the window. Mm-hmm. So I have to snatch last time last week I snatched three times even though Travis only wrote it in once okay and my timing has come back more often with that so finding the balance it's just doing very low volumes of stuff like that like you can't do a high volume snatch session three times a week and then train super total unless you're on a ton of drugs (laughs) you just can't do it Oh, having the video feedback and having you say it that way, like the way that your facial expression was, was great. Um, and and I, I would definitely agree with that. And and so I'm assuming as you go into nationals here, you will continue to keep a higher frequency with your weightlifting movements. And do you, will you back down on some of this other super total stuff? Or are you going to continue to bench? Or are you going to continue to sumo pull as heavy? Um, obviously, you're coaching yourself, but you turn to another coach, which is something that everyone should do. Uh, but but how do you feel like you th- you see yourself going through up into nationals? I think well, so you have to pull conventional in the one ton challenge. So we'll keep working in the sumo because um, I think for me personally, if my sumo goes up, um, and then I have a couple of other movements that I'll push that help my conventional a lot. So we'll probably push those movements, and I'll talk about those in just a second. Mm-hmm. But for me, conventional deadlifting heavy doesn't work. I have to, I have to, and I'll have to push the frequency on the Olympic list because really the only way to get better at something is to increase your frequency of it. So I'll probably do like a no hook, no feet snatch day just to warm up. It won't be a, because you know, no hook, no feet, you're not going to get super heavy on that. It's going to be technical. It's all going to be technical. So, you know, you do no hook, no feets for a few sets of three, and then you move into the rest of your workout. I'll keep bench pressing because I, I have hypermobile shoulders anyway, so doing the bench pressing for me is actually good for my snatch because it keeps me from getting too far back. Okay. And it keeps my shoulders in a really nice, stable position. So, and I don't know if you guys, any of you guys that are listening have read any of Travis's stuff, but he does do quite a bit of close grip bench pressing, usually higher volume sets of 10 for his weightlifters to build the triceps up and to build the pecs up. So that's one of the things I liked about Travis was that even though he's a weightlifting coach, he comes from a powerlifting background, and he lets me bench press. And I think in his super total programs he writes, it's it's there's, I'll still bench press twice a week most likely. Yeah. Leading up to nationals. Well, that's definitely more unique than uh, that. That's going to set some of the weightlifting world on fire. I mean, if they ever really, really, really knew that and really cared, because um, weightlifting it's so bad to bench press. But I, I love your point about hyper shoulders and something that I talked with Travis yesterday about, and and I, I think it, it, it you embody it yourself very well. And this, that's if you just make a strength athlete strong, it will 
you know, a weightlifter, just get them stronger, they'll probably excel more. You know, we, we had this conversation a little bit him. I've had it with some other people. It's like, if you just get stronger, it might take care of a lot of your issues. And I love that it's an all-around athlete strong. It's not, okay, we can't bench press. Well, it's going to help you somewhere. Um, and I've seen it myself. I've programmed it. That And Lauren Rutan hinted at it is she doesn't train arms at all, yet she trains shoulders and back, and her bench press continues to go up. Uh, and, and so you can still train different modalities. It's not just snatch, clean, and jerk. And you might have some carryover to, from a bench press to, you know, a jerk, for example, um, and being better out, able to press something out. So, and I love that you're already hinting at this. What are, cause I'm a big believer in, for example, you don't have to conventional deadlift to improve your conventional deadlift. What are some of those strategies that you use other than sumo deadlifting to help push your conventional deadlift without doing it. So the during this off season, we I told Travis that I wanted to do. Well, he programmed Good Mornings, and then after I did them for four weeks, I told him I wanted to really push it, push it hard. Mm-hmm. Which Good Mornings are one of those exercises <laughs> that once again you can do them, and then you're wrecked for a few days. So you kind of have to be careful with how heavy you're going and the volume you do. With them. So we typically do. Sets of five in the good morning. We'll do like a five rep max and we'll just change what bar we use. Are we using chains? Are we doing them suspended? Mm-hmm. We, we did that for four months and I pulled a conventional PR at the end of it after not having pulled conventional at all. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. So that also, I actually did it because I wanted to build my squat up because I get pushed forward when I squat. So I was like, well, my back's stronger then I should be able to push back into the bar and that should lead to another squat PR. And I haven't squatted a PR yet, but I'm getting close. Okay. So we do that. Something Travis talks about a lot is uh, banded deficit RDLs. I don't know if he talked about those yesterday. We didn't mention that yesterday. That sounds awful. (laughs) They're pretty awful. So I did those during one of my off-season blocks and – that, I think that might have been after I pulled the conventional PR, but I'm pretty sure I could have pulled another one after that block because they were, they were awful, but I worked up pretty heavy. I want to say I did like 110 with orange bands on for a set of eight, Holy something man. like that. So, so a decent amount of band tension. That's I was wondering like around how much, but because now I'm already thinking to myself, I know what I'm putting in as an accessory on my secondary lower body day that myself. So that's like, those are the things I tell people. I was like, I've talked to some of my gym members about, you know, what's this podcast going to be about? I'm like, half of it's it's selfish. I'm looking for different ideas from different people. Um, That's what I want people to be able to take away from this is, is finding some, something to try to implement themselves or learn from each episode. And uh, that might be my, my, my ticket right there. I kind of do that every episode is sit there and listen for one. Um, and I'll just have I'll just have to send Travis like a thank you, like a Starbucks gift card or something, um, for all the things I've stolen from him. Yeah, um, send him a four pack of purple monsters, and you'll make his day. <laughs> uh, um, so I I, I kind of cut you off there a little bit. Was there anything else you were kind of talking with the deadlift there? Um, I do lockouts on the belt squat too. One thing I did before my last meet, and this was not something that Travis programmed. But I think it helped a lot because I was a little bit slower at the top. I would take the belt squat and I would put a, a lot of bands on it. I don't know how much band tension it was, but a lot. 
it, it was a lot. It was a lot. I may or may not have burned a couple of fans at, at the gym. Don't tell Travis if you're listening that I did that. That's why there's like, so if you go to our gym, there, there's some bands with some black marks on it. That's where I like wrapped them around the belt squat. And I did heavy, I get, I did heavy push throughs on the belt squats. What I would do is I would do like sets of 10, just as heavy as mu- as much band tension as I could get on there. And I would have like two forty fives on each side of it. And that really blew my lock up, lock, lock out up. So, okay. So now, if you really hate yourself, you can do that. Or if you go back, backtrack a little bit to the reverse hypers. One of my favorite supersets is a set of thirty reverse hypers. March on the belt squat for a minute, and you do that for three sets, and that's pretty awful too. Yeah. So you guys have a West Side athletic training platform belt squat. So you have a little bit, some different options. I've got a winning belt squat at my gym. So depending on what belt squat you may have, you may or may not be able to do some of these variations. But I also challenge people to get creative with what you got. We do a lot of rowing on ours. Um, It's just kind of a space thing. Like I had an option of getting a West Side one, but for my gym, it's very small. We don't have, I didn't have a true space to be able to put one at the time. And, uh, uh, it's on the it's on the wish list as a gym maybe grows uh, to definitely get a, an athletic training platform to give me some of those variety there. Um, so a couple other things I want to kind of ask uh, is talk to me about throwing. So I I was not really a big high school thrower. I taught myself to throw shot and disc kind of freshman sophomore year of high school, but then I got out of it because I didn't have a coach mm-hmm. and I was tiny way back then. Um, like I was like a hundred and. 50 pounds as a sophomore, 160 pounds as a sophomore, throwing against guys that were 280 and whatnot in high school. And uh, I just was not winning, and I got tired of it. And now that I'm into the Highland Games, I am all about throwing. Um, wish I would have kept doing it, and I love it. So obviously, hey, if you want to try something different, the Highland Games may be for you. Um, the women's sport is growing. Uh, with the throwing background, you already have a little bit of an advantage. But tell me about, you know, how would you get into throwing, and, and what was that like in, in – you know, obviously throwers are just monster freaks in the weight room. How did the kind of, you know, talk to me about just your whole experience with throwing. I, I don't know really have anything specific, but I want to hear your experiences with throwing, um, what successes you found and, and, you know, how did that, you know, keep driving you in the weight room as well? So I actually started throwing, I'm not going to say on accident, but so where I went to high school, where I went to high school, it's in the middle of nowhere. It's in so if you look across the street from the high school I grew up in, it's a tobacco field. And if you look on the other side, there's another tobacco field. And then it's woods on the other two sides. So literally the middle of nowhere. There's no nowhere around where I grew up that's like a mass elite performance or like a strength empire gym where kids can go after school to, to get better at sports, right? There's no sports performance gyms in the area really. Or at the time there weren't. I think there may be one now. Anyways, so our football coaches were our track coaches. So I was on the football team in high school. Fun fact, we can talk about that in a second, I guess. All right. Um, So I was on the football team in high school, and our football coaches told us, they said, hey, if you're not doing another sport in the spring, we expect to see you at track practice. So our track team every year is – the boys' team is always huge because the entire football team is the track team. So I went out there, I did, and I was a a sprinter-thrower combo. So I think I actually asked to throw the shot put because it looked fun. I don't know why I thought it looked fun, but it it did. The thought of throwing something farther than somebody else, it's very objective. 
So I started and I fell in love with it. It was just, it's a very brute strength thing and I've always really enjoyed sports where you get to really show off how strong you are. So I started going to camps. Let's see, I went, Appalachian State used to put on a really, really good throws camp for high school kids. They've gotten some new coaches since then. I don't know if they still do the summer camp. My sister, my brother and sister were both track athletes, so it was a whole family thing for us. So I would go to the camps over the summers. We would do USATF junior track and field. So we would travel to Greensboro, Raleigh, Charlotte, and throw against people. And I think by the time I graduated, I was throwing 36 to 38 feet pretty consistently. Okay. Which is, I mean, they're not great numbers, but considering how tall I am, and that my technique was okay but not great. Um, that was pretty good. And I finished, let's see, my senior year, I finished third at indoor states, which I was pretty happy about. Um, I was the smallest person in the heat by a lot. <laughs> Let's tell something about your athletic ability as well as your, your strengths and, and drive. is, And I, I can absolutely relate to that. Uh, I'm not the biggest guy when it comes to the Highland Games right now. Um, yeah. I'm on the smaller edge of, you know, without being in the lightweight class, which I've done that before in the Highland games, they actually have a lightweight under 200 for males, uh, weight class. But, you know, right now I'm at like 235 ish. And I mean, almost every guy I throw with is at the top levels are over. I mean, there's a couple guys around 260, but almost everybody's 280 in terms of body weight or, or 300. Uh, and it's a lot of them were collegiate throwers and whatnot. Um, but uh, that's actually, you brought something up. What was it like, and obviously it, I, it keeps going back to how competitive you are, and I love it, is you played football in high school. Very few females do that. So tell me a little yeah. bit about that, and maybe you encourage more females to do so. I don't know how many high school female girls might get a hold of this podcast, but hey, who knows? Hopefully several do, because that would be awesome. They could <laughs> throw and play football just like I did, right? There you go. Um, so... That was another one of those things. I always, I've always played rough. Like, I liked all the outdoor things growing up, and I, I always, even in elementary school, you know, I would want to go play basketball, touch football. Even though touch football in elementary school always turns into tackle football. Correct. I would go play that. So then, when middle school came around, they said, "Hey, you know, we're having summer workouts." So I went. I did that. I made the team, and then I played from seventh to twelfth grade. And I think. The kids didn't pick on me at all. They loved having me on the team because I did work hard, and I was very competitive. Like, I don't like to lose at things. I don't like to not be as strong as somebody else. So if we were in the weight room, you know, maybe I can't um, maybe I can't bench press as much as you because you're a boy and I'm a 16-year-old girl, but I'm going to try to squat as much as you. I'm going to try to clean. I'm going to try push-ups. I'm not going to fall behind where you are right. just because – I'm not a boy, and they saw that, and they saw that I was working, and I would, when I would run, I would run hard. I always beat somebody when we were running, always. So I, you, you worked hard to earn respect in, in, a, in an environment that's not common, and, and that is so awesome. Like, I don't, I don't have any other words. It's just, it's like, it's just amazing, like, to talk, to, to hear of those experiences, and, and it relates to anything. I mean, I, you can relate it to, even in an all-boys team, Hey, if, if some I've got a high school kids that I've told about uh, some of the I coach I've told about this podcast. If if you want to earn respect, 
if people will respect you if you work hard. You can't you yep. can't not respect hard work. Yeah. And I think really that's why the high school coach kept me around because if I'd been lazy, if I hadn't tried, um, if I'd been a you know a sandbagger, mm-hmm. he probably would have told me, "Hey, maybe you should go try another sport." You know, you would probably do really well with literally any of them. So, <laughs> why don't you go do something else? But I mean, he saw that he kept me around, and I actually still keep in touch with my football coach to this day. Um, we text at least once a month. I have gone back and coached at the high school a few times, so. Yeah. I think playing football, so playing football led to track, playing, doing track and field led me to East Carolina, which is where I met Dave, and weightlifting. So it all kind of fed into each other. If I hadn't been super competitive, I wouldn't have found football, I wouldn't have found track, weightlifting, then powerlifting, now super total. Yeah. And it's, they're all male-dominated fields, obviously, but I've always enjoyed being strong, so being very competitive, wanting to be very strong, has kind of fed this whole adventure that I've been on since I was 12 or 13. Man, that's awesome. And, and, and that's awesome. Just, uh, I have no other words. I feel terrible. but um, So, kind of getting closer to an hour, kind of want to start on the wrap-up train. What I know we already talked mm-hmm. a, bit, a little bit about nationals and a little bit about the one-ton challenge, but what are some goals for you this year? Obviously, I know you, you just got on the uh, Winston-Salem Fire Department, I believe. Um, so congratulations yeah. in person, I guess, over the phone. I get to congratulate you. That's something I'm personally trying to get on the Charlotte uh, Fire Department. Um, tell me a little bit about that before we ask go into goals. What, um, you know, do you feel like, obviously, athletic ability helps you in that aspect? Uh, CPAT's, obviously, you got to be able to dominate that. Um, but uh, tell me about, like, kind of why you chose the fire department at this point. So I had been looking for a full-time career, mm-hmm. uh, something to do. And I, I am a strength coach by trade. I love coaching. Coaching is easily my – I mean, I know that's, like, what God put me on this earth to do. But being a private strength coach – it's a lot of work, like a lot of work. As you know, you run the gym, you run the gym. It's 70, 80 hours. Um, and I just really didn't want that, and I wasn't ready to move on and do something else yet. So I was talking to somebody. I've always been interested in fire, police, military. I think those, I, if I hadn't done weightlifting, I think I would have ended up in the military, honestly. Okay. So I was online. I was looking. I saw that they were hiring. I was like, well, I'll apply a really cool job. I would get to help people every day, which is what I enjoy doing. I like helping people. And it's kind of taken off from there. And like the farther I get into it, the more excited I get about it because, I mean, it is a cool job. You do get to help people every day. It's got really good benefits. Um, People generally like firefighters, which is one of the things that pulled me more towards that and not as much towards police officers. So I'm in a certain community. (laughs) Unfortunately. Police officers. Yeah, unfortunately, they're not looked as highly upon, but I feel like everybody likes firefighters. Mm-hmm. And we get a really good schedule once I get out of training. So when I'm training, it'll be 9 to 5-ish, Monday through Friday. But once I get out, I'll be one day on, two days off. Mm-hmm. So I'll have a ton of time to train, coach, and then I can be a firefighter too. So I'm really excited to get into it. Um. 
but yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly, you kind of literally couldn't put, I couldn't say it any better there for kind of the same thing I'm looking at. A um, little bit different owning a gym versus being just a coach. I mean, there's different responsibilities, but I have help, which is what's great oh, yeah. is I have some help with my dad's here and, and uh, I've got some, I've got some wonderful gym members that help me out with some different things from time to time as well. But um, it's the same thing. It's, it's that career that is thing that's kind of a little bit more, I guess I have to say stable than, than what gym ownership and training is when you have people canceling, just like, yeah, people canceling doctor's appointments and stuff like that. Um, it's not as stable as some sort of career with a fire, fire service would be. But, um, other than that, you're, you're going into training. When do you start the Academy? I guess. I start on February 10th. So I will be in the, in the middle of it while I'm training for nationals. Oh boy. And for the one ton challenge. So that's going to be interesting and on top of that so I am I'm going to stop coaching um, my group classes at Mash Elite but I'm going to keep coaching all of my one-on-one kids because Uh my one-on-one kids are kids that you know when you get a one-on-one person you kind of get to pick air quote air quote pick who you want to work with you know and all of the kids I have right now are they're awesome they're a ton of fun to coach they're all football players which are football players and throwers are my two favorite high school athletes to work with because they come in and they just you tell them what to do and they're just like a bull they just go you're like all right we're gonna squat and there's they go squat heavy mm-hmm. or whatever you tell them to do so I enjoy working with those kids um, I think all the kids I'm working with right now have a lot of potential so it's really fun to watch them grow into that and grow into the athlete and the person you think they could be um, but Absolutely. it's gonna be it's gonna be real busy doing that coaching those kids and training yeah. but all right um so what obviously that's going to take up a majority of your first half of your year but do you have anything bigger mm-hmm. goals for this year what are what are your kind of goals looking forward maybe the next five years people looking quads you know uh, what about the next quad of four years um what are kind of some of your goals there have you kind of put thought into that so me and Travis were actually talking about that yesterday. So ideally, this, my goal is to be one of the best. Once I actually want to be the best 165 powerlifter in the world, and I'm only I think I'm like 150 pounds off or something like that. I'm not. I mean, I'm a couple of solid years of training away from it. Mm-hmm. But that's my biggest goal right now. And then I would like to. I'd like to medal at nationals this year. That would be a big goal. I'd like to snatch 100 kilos, which that's coming. I'm going to snatch 100 kilos. It's, there we go. It's not that it, it's a it's a win. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to I'd love to win this one ton challenge. Right, I'm gonna go across the country. You go to no. And then other than that, most of my goals are very uh, adult oriented. Like eventually, I'd like to buy a house. Um, I'd like to start working towards some retirement goals because being a strength coach and all of that and being a strength athlete is great, but working until you're in your 70s is not so great. So <laughs> I, have, I, have some, I have some strength athlete goals that are pretty lofty, but I also realize that I am in my mid-20s now, so I have to kind of start thinking about some of those adult things. So I'm going to try to balance all of it and try to, you know, be a really good strength athlete, push those numbers. That's one of the nice things about powerlifting is I feel like with powerlifting it can be a little bit easier to say today I'm going to come in and squat XYZ um, which 
weightlifting, it can be kind of hard to balance that. So you can balance your powerlifting and your career goals a little bit better. Or for me, it's worked out a little bit better than balancing out being a really high-level weightlifter and being a um, and being a, a coach or a firefighter. So I'd like to continue weightlifting, but I talked to Travis, and he's like, you know, if you just hit, he threw out some numbers. Like if you hit this number and this number, you'll be right in the thick of all the other 76s that are, you know, traveling internationally and doing really well. I'm like, ah, but it's not really, I don't think I'm there for that anymore. Let's just take this one meet at a time. Like, try to go medal at some meets and then do really well with the powerlifting. So gotcha. that's, I don't, I don't know if I kind of ran on with that too no, much. That was or, great. That was great. Um, and it's, it's great. I'm 30, I'm about to turn 31 myself. And mm-hmm. you're obviously then about five years ahead. We're, at, we're thinking the same spot. You're five years ahead. I've had to, you know, myself look at the not lifting, you know, goals in life and that been a focus lately as I'm still pushing, obviously, I'm still trying to push my strength athlete career with with the Highland Games and progressing in those. But then it's also like, well, I need to pay off some debt. And, you know, so you keep going back to stuff like that and and then all life stuff pops up. And um, so I completely relate. It's been great to hear kind of a lot of this kind of crossover, like same mindset uh, from someone like yourself. Um, now, my, my final kind of big question before I, we do a lightning round where they're quick, easy questions. Um, well, they're not necessarily sometimes easy, but what – this is my favorite question to ask anybody that I always save to the end. But uh, with what you know now in your strength career, what would you do different back then? And the back then can be at any point. What would you tell your younger self at some point to do differently with the knowledge you've gained up to this point? If we're going, let's see, I'll backtrack to a couple of different places. Okay. So if I backtrack all the way to the beginning, I think I would have told myself to read more books. Like, hey, you should go read. So I like Elite FTS, Mark Bell, Mashley, um, it's another one. Steffi Cohen put out a lot of good content. There are several really, really good YouTube pages, and some of those weren't there in 2008, 2007. But I would have told my younger self, hey, you need to go learn. Because even when I was younger, I knew that the program I was doing was not the most ideal thing for me because we ran, the high school class that I was in ran the same training block every semester. It was the same exact thing, same exact exercises, reps, set, percentages, everything. So that works the first two times you do it, and then the third time it doesn't, fourth time it doesn't. So I would have taught myself more about the programming side younger, when I was younger. Um, If we're talking about when I was in my early 20s, it would have been listen to your coach and do your accessory work. After I got hurt, I definitely did not do my accessory work to the level that I should have. And I think that that slowed me down from recovering quite a bit. When I was at ECU, I had a ton of free time. I wasn't working. I was just in school, so I did a ton of accessory work when I trained with Dave. Um, but it, it's always, I think a lot of it always goes back to learning. If you could go back and tell yourself, your younger self, like, hey, you should read this book instead of reading it when you're, you know, if you read it when you're 16 versus when you're 26, it has a little bit of a different impact, you know? Awesome. Uh, 
well, that's that, you know, so hopefully some of the younger crown that hears this will, inform, you know, put that in. I think I'm going to get a lot of my high school guys, they've also, they've, which is great. They've obviously asked about uh, me talking about the podcast and stuff like that. And I'm like, y'all need to listen to it, blah, 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 and see what you can take away. Because um, I tell them about this question specifically. Um, so for your younger strength athletes, younger, younger athletes, period, uh, you know, that every episode I try to put in something like that, that, hey, maybe. If I could tell, I could tell them the exact same thing. They may not listen to me. Um, so, um, well, Sarah, we're going to wrap up here. I did this on the previous podcast that I used to co-host with, uh, and I enjoy it. And a couple of the podcasts I listen to do this, and so I got to implement it in the lightning round. So, first thing that comes to your head, a couple questions here. You know, try one word answers. Well, some of them are a lot more complicated than that. But um, you ready for this? These okay. are the hard ones. Uh, so, favorite food or restaurant? First one. Favorite food, definitely bacon cheeseburgers. Uh, I prefer to cook at home. I actually really like grilling and smoking foods. So there you go. I like it. I like it. I love. I love. I prefer to cook at home more than restaurants as well myself. Um, I see you are putting your meal prep stuff up on the weekends, and it's really good stuff. I try. I try. I, it's it's amazing. Out of everything I do with the gym, you know, lifting, heavy, you know, programming, blah blah blah, I get more feedback on meal prep stuff and trying to do it cheap because. I don't have the biggest budget being a strength coach and uh, I get a ton of feedback on this stuff. So I try to make sure I keep it up. Uh, so now I'm a big craft beer fan. I even started Instagram for it, but uh favorite beer. Uh, probably blue moon, which is not really you and Travis. Beer. Come on. Travis said the same thing. <laughs> it's, good. Um, it's you can't, I mean, it's, it's not bad. I can't, I can't hate on it, but it's uh, you know, it's, it's not. It's not the most generic. I'm waiting for somebody to be like Bud Light. I'm like, oh, you go go home. Um, I'll delete the podcast. Go back, go back to your front health. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite lift to perform? Clean and jerks. Clean and jerks. Sure. Really? Okay. I was expecting a power yeah. lift out of that one. Um, oh, I I love clean jerks. And if you let me take a clean jerk off the blocks, that is, that's my favorite thing on earth okay. for sure. Off the blocks. What do you like about being off the blocks more? I typically miss in the first pull, so when you're getting past the knees. So I guess it's not it's kind of me just getting around my weak spot. Okay. Because if you put the block if you put the bar right above my knees, I can clean clean more than I clean off the floor. Mm-hmm. And so it just sets me up for a better jerk. So I've cleaned clean and jerked more that way than I have off the floor. Okay. Um and now last one and this is because I do tend to uh tend to travel a lot with the Highland game. So what is the favorite place you've traveled for a competition and, or what's been like the favorite, your favorite competition you've been a part of They can kind of be one or the other. That's a tougher one. That is a tougher one. Cause I have been, I have not traveled as much because of my injury, but I have been to some cool places. Going to going to Las Vegas and winning nationals last year was pretty cool, and it was really cool because my family went with me. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so I've been pretty lucky. My family has gone with me. So my dad went with me, went with me to my first senior nationals. My mom went with me went with me to my first American Open, and then um, both of them and my brother and my grandpa went with me last year to nationals when I won, and then we got to go do you know stereotypical Las Vegas stuff. Awesome. I've not been to Vegas myself, so it's, it's it's one of those on the list eventually somehow, some way. I think that's going to wrap it up. Sarah, uh, thank you so much for your time, and, and this was awesome. I love it. I feel like I 
you, I feel like we're related in a, in a way of how you spoke so many things that I resonate with, you know, directly. Um, so I appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, if people want to find you, contact you, uh, any information you want people to find, where can they do that? Let's see my Instagram username. I'm pretty sure it's Coach Sarah Johnson, but I'll double check. I'm really bad at. Yeah, it's Coach Sarah Johnson. No spaces or anything. Just that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. Um, Sarah with an H. Yes, Sarah with an H. <laughs> only with an only with an H. But thank you for having me on. I really enjoyed talking to you this morning. Oh no, no problem. I, I appreciate the the honors all mine. Um, and hopefully, I'll see you sooner than later. Hopefully, I said that to Travis. I'm like, with everybody, you know, so far everybody I've interviewed been here in North Carolina. I'm like, why don't I see all these people more often? Um, we'll, we'll try to get it together. I'll be at the uh, Queen City Classic in a few weeks. So if you're going to be um, at that, I won't be. I'll be here. <laughs> Uh, I've talked with Sean and Taylor. Uh, I helped them. I've helped run a, a couple of their meets for them. I've lifted in them. And uh, it's the same weekend that I do a, a Highland Games down in Florida where my fiance is, her brother lives. So we stay with him and she gets to visit some college friends. So I get to throw, she gets to visit with friends and family. We go drink beer and we go to the beach. It's You can't really beat that trip. So I have to, I'm pretty much locked into that one forever. But I won't, I'll miss the Queen City this year. But, but yeah, we'll get up soon, I'm sure. So, yeah. Sure. Right. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I'll talk to you soon.